say I'm mean. This is your co-host Adrian and your other co-host Austin. Today we are going to be talking about German style board games or your Euro games. Um, and if you don't know what that is, um, we're going to be looking at an article from the Atlantic again who kind of goes through that. But I think the best way to think about what is what is a Euro game or what is a German game German style board game is to think of Settlers of Catan because that's probably the most um, prolific or at least the most well known. Uh, it's kind yeah. of like the archetype, right? Um, and then if you want to compare it to this article, I think does a really good job of comparing it tra- and contrasting it to American style games, which would be your monopolies, your Risk. Um, do you want me to go into? that a little bit or do it should i throw it back to you and um i don't know what say say what you think about uh like what is settlers of Catan? apparently okay, yeah. we need to contextualize things more so yeah so settlers of Catan, if you're not familiar um is a game where your goal is to essentially build a civilization you have a board that changes from game to game um, and you collect resources based on dice rolls. And from those resources, you can then build roads and settlements, which then get you more resources, um, which allow you to win the game. Um, so, and, and another another key thing um, about Euro games is that it, it's big on um, player inclusiveness, I'll say, or or your ability to, to stay in the game um, longer than say, for instance, Monopoly, where you can lose the game early on and you can be sitting on the couch while people are playing for hours yet finishing the game. Whereas a game like Settlers of Catan, everybody's in it till the very end. Um, and not, not even can with, like, Monopoly or Risk. Other people have to get out right. early. Right. Unless you're playing two-person and then do something better with your time. Right, right. Um... So yeah, I think, and and at this point, um, Euro games are just taking over, which this article kind of goes into. Um, but uh, uh, I feel like we are we are kind of, and this kind of would be our segue into the article. We kind of joined this this board uh, German board game craze kind of when it started. Or we when being it really started being like you and I. Yes, me and you. Um, we, the two of us and our two brothers, have played. I don't know how many games of Settlers of Catan. Probably, um, it's. A, I mean, it's hundreds. Yeah, probably hundreds. So our first ever game was <laughs> handmade um, by our older brother Anthony. He made mm-hmm. handmade Settlers of Catan. Thanks, um, Anthony, and, for uh, yes, all your hard work. And we, I don't even know how old we were. He was probably in um, high school. We were in middle school. No. We were younger than that, I'm sure. Before that. So we've been playing for over 10 years. Um, but anyway, so we kind of saw the beginning of this huge influx in Euro games. Um, well, even though, even though Catan's been around since. We, like, handcrafted our way into it. Right. But we were playing it before a lot of other people were. That's true. Anyways, so we're so do have hip. some. Right. Well, or we're just nerds, like this article mm. is talking about. 
I don't know. Okay. Well, if you don't know, I'll tell you that we're nerds because literally last night I was with a group of friends playing board games. So I was you playing be, a new. Can you can you be a nerd and hip, or are they mutually exclusive? Um. That's probably a different conversation to have. Yeah. But regardless. Anyways, so we enjoy, at least I do, and I think Austin does as well, enjoys Euro-style board games. So, Austin, what is this this article about? Uh, The article, uh, as you alluded to, is basically comparing and contrasting uh, European games and American games, also known as, apparently, uh, Ameritrash, um, because they are often considered to be much worse. Uh, so it, it was explicitly comparing, um, for the most part, Monopoly and, and Settlers. Um, also, I call it Settlers, though the article says most people call it Catan. It's a big, um, it's a big debate. Um, people go it? back and forth. I think I don't know. I s- uh, okay. I say Settlers, but I do know a lot of people that say Catan. It Catan, does make sense that we say the same same thing. Right. Anyway, um, and saying how they they get kind of um, economic and historical with yeah. the development of games. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I, I'm a little skeptical. Um, so tracing back the creation of Euro-style games to not only the like reconstruction of Germany, West Germany, I guess, post-World War II, but also drawing in their current um, socialistic-ish system that uh, Europe, you know, currently has. So, uh, I was a little skeptical of that. Um, What does that mean? Like, how does that work for games or just the economy? So, they're saying that it translates to games where they're taking that mentality of inclusiveness um, that you mentioned from the economy and applying it to games. I don't think that's... I don't think that's causal. But um, basically, you know, it's not just about who can win the most, but it's how can you... how can everyone have the best experience? Which is, I mean, kind of like socialism... But I don't. I don't think that they take inspiration from each other. Right. I think it. It's just people are trying to make good games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna disagree that American games are bad. But I will also say that, like, Risk and Monopoly were invented. Monopoly is invented in like the twenties, the thirties, um, and I. Risk is old. Axis and Allies is old. Right. Um, there just hasn't been... Uh, oh, they have mentioned Sorry. Oh, sorry is not... Like, that's not even a game. Come on now. <laughs> it's more of a game than Candyland. Oh, it, well, yeah. That's because Candyland is... Candyland is, is terrible. Anyway. It's, um, it's, I was watching a video where... I think it was Hank Green. Or John Green. One of them. They were complaining about shoots and ladders, how his infant like or toddler son can beat him in shoots and ladders just because it's just rolling. 
or right. just like trying to flick one of those impossible spinner things. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it is. Apparently, that game is from uh, Hinduism. Interesting. But 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 so, to, their, to the article's point, mm-hmm. if you want to, I don't know if we want to discuss this quite yet, or if you want to finish talking about the article. I thought we Mon- did. Okay, Monopoly and Risk are very like American idealistic games, like like Monopoly is literally based off of like the like um, Wall Street or like mm-hmm. the economy in America, and that idea of like. It's a very capitalistic idea. Yeah. Um, and then also risk, I mean, is a little less American in that, like, you America doesn't traditionally, like, conquer a bunch of countries. But, like, um, the, idea of, the idea of winning wars is, I feel like, America's really, ex- really uh, proud of its, quote-unquote, undefeated record. Yeah. So, so... So to the point that this is making, I feel like those games are very American. And I could I, – I see your point. I, I don't know if it's necessarily based off of their political views that they decide they want to be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see it, right? Because, I mean, if these games are being created in there, as we see that Monopoly was created in America – Based and it was in, probably influenced and definitely was influenced by its political, economic structure of America at the time. It makes sense that it would also be influenced by the European. I guess, but like, so side note: I was watching a television series called Comrade Detective, and it is. I think a, I've heard of this. Oh, you told a, me about it. Yeah, it's a fake, um, Romanian propaganda film while when Romania was part of the Soviet Union and uh, it's dubbed in English by uh, like Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> anyway they uh, uncover a plot to overthrow the government that centers around the board game Monopoly and they they're they find some capitalist pigs to explain the rules of Monopoly to them and they're like what you're training your children to to ruthlessly destroy their fellow man for the sake of money? This is barbaric. I was like, well, huh? That is, I mean, that's pretty the point of Monopoly. Mm-hmm. But so and yeah, Monopoly is explicitly about the like about capitalism. Like it's called Monopoly. It's in the name. Um. And. People argue about the history of Monopoly. I don't know anything about the history of Monopoly, so I can't weigh in to say. Some people say it was originally designed to be a critique, but it was bought by Hasbro, whoever makes Monopoly, to just make a bunch of money. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that anymore. Okay, yeah, so I think Euro games are more a response to how bad Monopoly is and not a response to the socioeconomic environment. Right, which we see in this article, right? It follows a uh, – he's an American, right? The guy mm-hmm. that they're talking about follows an American who leaves America and goes to Germany to make board games, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I think I 
I do agree. I think it is, um, it's more of just a desire to make a, a better game, um, and not necessarily driven by, by the social economic, because, because I think, and again, this article also talks about the fact that like, what makes playing a game enjoyable? Mm -hmm. What makes, um, like, why do we even want to get together and play a game? He references Monopoly and how everybody gets to the end of it and just hates everybody. Um, also, fun fact, we almost never played Monopoly growing up either because Anthony also hated Monopoly. It, well, um, it's, it's bad. Right, which is a blessing anyways. But, um, so what was I saying? Yeah, he, t- he talks about in the article how, like, you enjoy playing a board game when you get to the end and you're like, wow, that was actually like fun. It wasn't like I get to the end and was like, wow, I don't even know who you are because you're such a monster and trying to deceive and destroy me. Um, It only happened like once when we played settlers. That is a funny story. Should we tell that story? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Fool if you're lies and deceit as normal. (laughs) Yes. We'll tell the story. So, one time, I think it was was it just you, me, and Zach? Mm-hmm. So we three of us were playing for some reason. Yeah, we were playing. We were playing Catan, and or Settlers, whatever you want to call it. And settlers. I, I needed, like, Something. I needed one brick, to be able to, build a road in a settlement and steal a spot from Zach and like on a two for one brick or something like that. And I spent probably like it was what, forever, ten or fifteen <laughs> minutes, maybe like just, just one turn, <laughs> just like essentially just deceiving Zach, mm-hmm. just straight to his face. Not he, even deceiving so, it because he like he knew you were gonna he do knew that. It was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> After the ten fifteen minutes, probably just to get me to it's shut just up. Like he, hag- yeah, you're just like <laughs> holding him a hostage. He gives me the he gives me the brick. And I, t- I take the, I take the spot from him. Like we knew it was gonna happen. At that point, Zach turns around and just, just like punches me, <laughs> punches me right in the eye. Um, he he told me he was he... trying to punch you in the, <laughs> the arm or something. In the chest or something like that. Punches me right in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the game goes on. I literally don't think I picked up another brick the rest of that game. No, I think didn't Zach win? And Zach goes yeah. on to win the game. And so like justice is served. I completely deceive and steal the spot right from Zach. It's just bullying he, at that point. It's not even deceiving. He, it's not clever. He goes on to win the game anyway, so justice is served. You're welcome. But Kelly. yeah, so that so that's that's really kind of the only actual and after the game we weren't even upset like yeah that was just in the middle of the game it wasn't like but we got to the end of the that's game that's just and the expectation after a game of monopoly right you go into it and you know you're gonna hate the yeah. other people or just it's, hate your life it's like mario kart right you go in expecting your friendships to be ruined by the <laughs> end of it um, right and risk, I guess, my expectation is to just come out of it after, like, three days, and you were like, why? Why did I just do that? Right, right. Um, so, I th- I think Risk and Monopoly are both not great games because, I mean, yeah, basically because they're zero-sum. Mm-hmm. 
that that limits a lot of what the gameplay can do. It limits a lot of the strategy because in Risk, you're I mean, you only have like one action that you can do, which right. is attack someone else. Um and you you can't you can't really work with the other players like you can have an alliance. Most Risk ends up just being lying to people, telling them, "Oh, I don't have any like trade in for 10 troops cards in my hand. I'm not going right. to invade Asia." Most of it's just lying. Uh but but you, like you can't work together even if you can just not right. attack someone. You can't say like, "Oh yeah, come and we'll team up and you can use um well, all the lumber from Siberia to I don't know, burn your furnaces. I, I don't know how what time period <laughs> risk takes place in. And and the other thing on top of that is it's it's and this article talks about it too, is it's all like direct attacking, right? You are you are literally mm-hmm. attacking the other player. Um same with Monopoly. Until you like completely destroy it, them. Right. And, and, and same with Monopoly in, in a different kind of way. But then you but even even though Settlers has those times like the one that I just described, it you have there's very minimal um just interaction between the players or direct in, interaction between the players. They call it what passive passive, passive aggressiveness. Aggressive. Where it's like I can choose to not trade with you or I can try to race you to a spot. It's not like I can or you know I can play a robber on you. There's mm-hmm. there's very little things that I can do to well, actually no, the, to the actively right. Don't actually attack anyone. Yeah, you can't you can't there's very little you can do to actively attack people. Um and it's interesting. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like playing with our cousins and all the house rules that they try to do of literally introducing ways that you can attack other people. Um, Wait, who does that? The Martins. They, like, have rules where you can, like, destroy people's cities and stuff. Really? I'm pretty sure. I hope that they have changed their ways. Mm. Well, I don't play with them very often. (laughs) (laughs) But that was also, so the game I was playing last night, Istanbul, is also it was actually something I commented at the end of it is very has that same idea. I mean, I'm playing against four other people and we're all kind of navigating the same kind of it's like you're kind of navigating a market and you're sending your merchants around to try to gather resources, which then you can train into money, which then you eventually get um, like rubies. And if you get five rubies, you win the game. Um, and so even though I'm kind of interacting with these players, it's it's not. Um, it's not to the point where it's like, oh, man, I get to the end of the game and I lost and I'm really mad at the other person. It's more mm-hmm. like I'm mad at myself for how I decided to play the game, um, I which know, I think is it. Sorry, go ahead. You can end up mad at the other person. Sellers. Right. You you can. You can for sure. Um, but I think that the, the trajectory of the games is more of one where it's like who has the kind of the better strategy or who can adapt the mm-hmm. best. Because, um, like, there's just more that you can do. Right. Like, right, in Monopoly, if you are behind, you can't say, like, oh, I'm just going to try to build knights and find all four victory points. It's just, right. oh, someone built houses. Well, guess I'll just have to slowly wait for my eventual demise. 
and then you play with Austin, who sure I'll loan you money, but then like calculates that was the, the greatest game of Monopoly I've ever played. Yeah, well, I still tell people about that, and I'm telling people now about how ridiculous that was. It was great. It was like banking, and it, just like in in real life, I won. <laughs> you you being the banks. Yeah, at the expense of everyone else. Right, right. But that just like proves another point of to what you're saying about there's only like a few things you can mm-hmm. do in order to make the game more interesting. Austin yeah. literally decided to do something completely outside of the game. Well, right. not not prescribed by the rules. Yeah, just as something else to do. Just trade. Um, I yeah, I introduced trading money. Right. Um, which did make it more fun for right. me at least. But um, yeah, I I guess the 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 non-aggression of settlers. I can see his reaction to the post World War Two world in Germany, mm-hmm. but I st- I still think just the desire to have good games is really the driving force. Yeah, because you can take non-interaction too far. Um, there was uh, I think there was some game that we were playing at Thanksgiving where I felt like I was just doing my own or kind of like Dominion is mm-hmm. I have lots of thoughts about Dominion but Dominion is there's like unless you're playing like witches there's not really what is what is Dominion okay Dominion is a um, it's kind of like it's a deck building game technically um, so you have actions and you're trying to get the most victory points and you do it by buying cards and then you use those cards to buy more cards until you have enough money in your hand to buy victory points. So one of the things I don't like about Dominion is there's not... I think there's too little... or it's too like player-player passive and not... like. Instead of like aggressive, passive, aggressive, passive, this is kind of completely passive to other players. Like, if someone, you know, buys a a market, there's nothing like that doesn't really affect me, and I can't do anything about it. Um, I mean, other than if they run out of them, right? Uh, so I think you can take that too far where you you just can't affect other players and I think that makes the game worse as well. Mm-hmm. What was the game that you were referring to that we played we talked about or that we played at Thanksgiving? I don't remember, but I felt like I was sitting there and I was just doing my own thing, totally separate of everyone else, but I don't remember what it was. Captain Sonar? No. I don't know. I don't either. But like Bananagrams, right? Is I feel like it's a worse version of Scrabble because there's nothing that you can do or you are totally independent of everyone else. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you can play the game yourself. Yeah. Which makes it a worse game, maybe. But Scrabble, like, you have to be like, oh, do I set up this? Like, how do I avoid setting up these other people? How do I, you know, take all the good spots? Mm-hmm. 
Scrabble's not also, it's not, uh, I think that counts as Ameritrash, so. Gonna get I in a uh, a vote for American games. I'd rather, much rather play Scrabble any day of the week than uh, Risk or Monopoly. Well, yeah, that's just because they're terrible. Right. Um, yeah, another game I was thinking about that's kind of like that is Seven Wonders, where you're kind of like in your own world. Seven Wonders, um, you have a wonder, one of the wonders of the world, and you're essentially it's a deck building game as well. But you take cards and you pass them, you pass around a deck of cards, um, and once you get a deck in front of you, you look at it, you pick a card from there, and then you put it kind of in your civilization. And so you're using these things to build up your civilization. Um, the thing that I, you can, it's great because you can play with up to like seven people, but then the bad thing is, is that you really are only interacting with the people right next to you. Mm. Um, and even that you can kind of, kind of get sucked into your own world. And so it's, there's, again, there's very little interaction. It's, it's, it's quite passive in the way that you interact with your opponents. I was going to say Bonanza. There's like, there's trading involved. But the trading is is mostly out of just necessity, right? Um. So, let I'm gonna extend the argument of uh, of this article is, or are cooperative games due to globalization of the '90s uh, and early 2000s? Is that is that a growth of that? Like the pandemic is is a very like globalization game. You play as like people working for the CDC to try to stop an outbreak. Everyone's on the same team. You're all working together to save the world. Like that's kind of the the like the fun subtitle for globalization. Right. Yeah, I, that's really interesting. I didn't even think about that. Um I, I just think, made it up, so that's good. I think if you wanted to extend this, you could say that. Um, but I also, <laughs> I, I think you could see it from both ways, right? Mm-hmm. You could see it from the perspective of this article where it says, yes, that is indeed like the driving force behind it. But you could also say from what you were saying earlier, it's like, mm-hmm. maybe this is just a better game. Maybe this is just a good game. Yeah. Um, I I absolutely love Pandemic. Um, I think it's just such a... Um, such a well-balanced game. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you and whoever you're playing with are playing against the game. Um, and depending For on... games like, that cause conflict, by the way, I have never yelled at anyone <laughs> more than my life than when I play Pandemic. It's it's very true. Um, we, uh, the four Somehow. of us brothers, play play Pandemic. We haven't played it as much as uh, very often, but... No, we're um, so behind on Legacy. I know, it's true. <laughs> But um, it definitely is the game that we yell the most about, no matter, mm-hmm. hands down, um, because not, not it's almost worse than like working against people, um, right. because if you're working against people, you can kind of be like, oh, you know, you did this to me, you know, obviously I can yell at you. But in pandemic, you're literally all trying to come to one decision. All four mm-hmm. of you are looking at the board, um, trying to figure out the best possible strategy. Um and when you play, and when you, you know, make you a play mistake, as many games as we have, it's brutal. Right, go ahead. The right pandemic is a is a brutal game. Yeah, and so when you play a lot of games as we have, everybody thinks that they have the you know the best solution or the the way that's actually going to work or the one 
that won't lead us to a mistake that will end the game. Um, and so we spend a lot of time arguing, which in a lot of ways is, is we fun, do but that in anyway. other ways it's really frustrating. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think to both points, um, you can see mm-hmm. this is just a search, another search for a better game. I've ha- I've played really good co-op games like Pandemic, and I've played not so great co-op games. Um, but I think I think there's an aspect there um, that just makes uh, just again another type of game, and and potentially a, a better a better game in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I do I do want to. Yeah, this idea of working together. Again, kind of what this article points out is like not even really an idea that people would have thought about in a board game, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. Um, and maybe that does have something to do with our socio-political. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of, uh, I was thinking, um, so this year we're going to get a bunch of uh, Brexit-inspired games. Look out for that. Um, but yeah, I was thinking of Arrival when I was reading this article, um, and the uh, shoot, I forgot to look up the the guy's name. But his Jeremy uh, Renner. huh? Jeremy Renner. No, 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 no. Remember the the main like theory of Arrival is that how you speak um, changes how you think. Mm-hmm. So I was even even in ways that you don't um, recognize, uh, kind of on a. Sorry, I'm looking up this person's name. It's uh, Sapir Wharf. Okay, I'm, I can't say that anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, that the 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 language that you speak influences how you think because if you have or don't have certain words it makes it easier to express certain ideas or feelings um that's kind of i guess spoilers if you haven't seen arrival uh that's kind of the the hinge of the story um and i I think that's i mean that's probably true to some extent for making these games we live in a world that is increasingly like less openly aggressive mm-hmm. to more working together to try to solve bigger problems or create bigger problems, I guess. But mm-hmm. like, yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, so I mean, it probably does have an effect on the board games that we're making, but the people who are making these games aren't like, hmm, like Monopoly. I, I feel like is clearly like let's make a game based on the economy but right. games now are more let's look at the games we have now how can we do something innovative what can we change about the kind of standard formulas to make better more interesting more engaging games um, and I think that's where that's where cooperative games come from it's not yeah uh, you know, our society is incre- like increasingly global. We're trying to deal more with epidemics and 
you know, health issues and not wars. I, I mean, that is true, but I don't, I think, you know, the, the desire is more to create more engaging games that are different than anything you've seen before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another, another thing that um, this article mentions, which is kind of like part of the, the perfect storm, I think that of why board games has become such a huge thing in the last 10 years or so is um, Kickstarter. Mm. Um, Kickstarter if you're not familiar, is is it called like a crowdsourcing? What do you what what's the definition? I don't crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. Anyways, you post um you post an idea or in this case a board game on um on Kickstarter and you say, Hey, if we get so many backers, like we'll actually be able to make the game and we'll give you a game if you pledge to give us money. And then you don't actually pay any money until all of the um, funding has been reached. And then once the funding is reached and the game is actually or the product is actually going to be produced, then you um, actually pay the money and then you receive whatever bonus you got from from doing it. So like Kickstarter is, does anything from board games to technology to music to anything in between. Um, but mm-hmm. the most the the most productive um, product on Kickstarter are the games. Um, and that might also include video games because I think they probably do pretty well um, because video games is also kind of going into a lot of indie games mm-hmm. more so than it has ever before probably. But I want to circle think, back to video games after you're done with this, by the way. So. Okay. Um, I think that um, Kickstarter is a huge, huge point of um, just what is allowing um, board games to be so big. Um, again, it, it goes back to even what we've talked about before. Or about like card games like Dominion. Right. Um, what we talked about before um, when we mentioned, or just like the idea of like more, when we talked about, shoot, what were we talking about? The end of Cable, mm. of how like, the, f- the fact that cable is dying and YouTube allows more people to get their ideas out there. Same thing is happening with board games right now, which is pretty cool. The um, If you do anything with board games, you are probably familiar, at least have heard of BoardGameGeek.com. Um, and they go through and rate um, every single board game known to man. Um, and the number one, um, the number one game right now um what's their rating criteria um let's see so they have a they have like different games they have or they have different ratings they just have like an overall ranking a thematic ranking which is another interesting part of board games right now is like people just love like what's their what's their methodology um i don't really know a whole lot um i'm sorry I have failed apparently, but anyways. Well, I mean, what's the point of ranking things if you don't know how they're ranking things? Um, well, I think it's it's probably people who have played it, but which isn't gonna help you enjoy right. it anymore. Right, that's but, true. Um, I don't know. 
You know what? Yep. So, well, you can find okay. that out on yourself. Yeah. Regardless, the point I'm trying to make <laughs> is that the number one game right now on Board Game Geek is a game that started on Kickstarter. It was a crowdfunded game, a game that was created by, you know, who knows. And it had finally has dethroned Pandemic Legacy, which for the Boo. last for the last three years has been the number one game. What is um, the, what's the number one game now? Don't Gloom keep us Haven. in suspense. Gloomhaven Gloom is the number one game. Came out last year. Good luck finding it. Um, right now it is two hundred dollars on Amazon. Ooh. So um, a bit pricey, but that's just because it just is coming off of Kickstarter, and so there's yeah, it's the number of, one game in the world, right? Apparently. Yep. So by some impenetrable method. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Board um, Game Geek can be trusted, by the way, even mm. if Austin is poo-pooing on it. Don't trust Would anything you not? unless you know its methodology. <laughs> anyways. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to circle back around to video games um, and say I, I think that the reason there is less proliferation until this point of board games in America is because video games kind of took the demographic of people who would create board games and uh, Mm -hmm. kept them occupied. Uh, I have no arguments to support this at all, but um, I'm going to make a anecdotal argument based on that article um, where he said he went to gaming conventions, right? And Mm -hmm. was sitting by himself in a corner with a board game where everyone else is playing video games. So I think the the demographic that is now playing board games is the demographic that grew up playing video games. So I don't mm-hmm. I have no idea what video games are like in Germany if they have them. Uh I'm sure they have them, but I don't know what the culture right. around them is. So right. I think there's like there's a greater desire for board games when there's not as much um, video game presence because Civilization is kind of a better version of Settlers of Catan. Mm-hmm. That's a video game. Uh, or Age of Empires is a better version of Risk. Uh, well, it's like a more fun version of Risk that you can play by yourself. Right. Um. So... And probably faster in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, it uh, depends on how much Age of Empires you play. I'm I'm just going to assert that the reason that... Or it's not that Americans are so caught up in their capitalist ways that we can only make board games about totally dominating the world and our fellow people. It's more that we... Uh, I'll played video games for a while. Because I, th- I think Fair it's enough. unflattering of a, of a people to say the best they can do is Monopoly and Sorry. Because uh, right. that, that's just insulting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously now you see, it, it, even though they are Euro-style games, it, there are American companies making Euro games. Mm-hmm. So even even though... It won't go down as that name. It's right. not like 
<laughs> there's not good quality games coming out of America as well. But yeah, I think I think it's just yeah, kind of that idea of what you're talking about with board game or with video game. Um, it it gets down to so I guess I'm thinking like a a, a board or a video game kind of like Mario Party or like I'm thinking of a multiplayer video games. You are playing against each other and you are actively aggressive. Uh, like it is it's it is aggressive in in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um. But I think the the key to why Euro games are so good is that passive aggressiveness where you are interacting with the other players, but you you don't just hate people. Right. You're in it till the, you, you're in it till the end, mm-hmm. and it's not – yeah, you, you have a chance you, even, you, even if it doesn't – even if it seems like you're out. They strike a good balance of – competing with the other people but also needing them to mm-hmm. to play well because if you don't trade in settlers you're going to lose right um but if you like let people like walk over you you're also going to lose so you right. there needs to be that balance of working like needing other people but also trying to stay ahead of other people cuz that i mean that's like the tension of trading right like right. You want you don't want them to do well, but you need something to do well, which right. I I think makes a better game because it keeps you involved with everyone, um, but it also there's yeah it keeps you involved with everyone, and you need you kind of need other people to do well to do well. Mm-hmm. Bonus tip for trading in Settlers of Catan. If you need one, don't trade with people unless you actually need what you're getting from the other person. It, it, that's one of the biggest things I see when I'm playing with people is like people are just trading willy nilly. It's like, I don't know if I need this, but I'm going to trade for it. If, if that's your reason for trading, don't trade. Yeah. Only trade when you know what resources you need. Anyways, just a little fun fact. So, um, I like uh, Euro-style games. Also, Germany makes a lot of good things. So, like, I'm not surprised that they're, they make good board games, too. Right. And even even though, you know, America is getting into making board games. Germany still point, is the epicenter. At this point, the best board games are still coming out of Germany. So, um Power Grid got to mention. I I think yeah. the also they they walk a fine line of rubber banding, um, because some of it's okay, but you don't want like if you're good, you should win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you don't want to be in the position of shoots and ladders, where right. the game is so. I hate to call shoots and ladders a balanced game, but like <laughs> technically it is. Technically. You don't want a game. You don't want to be a game to be so even that it doesn't take skill to win. Right, and and that's why I think Settlers of Catan is so good and so timeless. Mm-hmm. Right, is is it's it's simple enough, 
that you can play it on the first try, at first time, and even if you don't really know all the in-depth strat- in-depth strategy that we do since playing it for years now, you can still do well and, and potentially even win mm-hmm. because there's still an as- aspect of randomness to the game. But when you do play as, as much as we have, like <laughs> there are there are skills and strategies that you can gain which make you a better player at the game. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think I think and and I think Settlers of Catan does a great job of that. Um and of course, I just know that probably that cuz that's the game I've played the most of any game ever probably. Um Yep. But I'm sure there are a lot of games that are like that as well. Even the, so the game last night that I played Istanbul, four of the five of us had never played the game before. Um and like um, three or four of us did better than the one guy who brought it who had played it before. Um, and so now granted he only had only played it a handful of times, but it's simple enough that we could pick up the strategy, learn mm-hmm. it very, or pick up the, the rules, learn it quickly um, and understand some, some basic strategies. And in a lot of people's cases do better than somebody who has played the game before. Also, but it's good. It, go ahead. Settlers is only like a half hour to an hour. Right. Another good thing. Right. And and that was the thing too that I playing this game last night is like once we had picked it up, our like it went by really quick mm-hmm. and you could play a couple games um in the same amount of time or less than it would take to play Monopoly or Risk. Um and probably have more fun. Yep. <laughs> It's hard to have less fun. So, we should uh, wrap up. Yep. Um, you got any uh, recommendations for us this week? So, the obvious recommendation is is play Euro games. Um, yeah. Definitely get out there and try some board games out. Even if you're not really a board game player, um you might be surprised that you find that you might like some of these games that aren't monopoly. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'm afraid the, a lot of people, a lot of people aren't fans of board games because they played bad board games. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you're just not a board game person and that's fine. And but then there's, there's also the perception of uh cones of Dunshire that <laughs> uh, it's punishingly intricate. What is cones of Dunshire? Cones of Dunshire is a made up board game in the TV show Parks and Recreation, uh, Ben Wyatt makes it as a, he has a day off and he goes into like crazy art projects during his days off. So in one of them, he made Codes of Downshire. Um, mm-hmm. And then in, in season seven, he there's a review of it that calls it punishingly intricate. So people have that impression with board yes. games. And some of them can be um yeah but they are they're not all right punishingly intricate yes uh i have played twilight imperium which is literally like cones of dunshire or worse even um i won't go into all the details but literally the game took us an entire saturday we Mm. got we (laughs) i got to my friend's house at like 9 a.m we like spent an hour or longer just going over the rules and then played the game for 12 hours. But um, some some in- intricacy 
makes the game better, right? Cities and right. Nights. Cities and Nights is better than regular Catan because right. there's more ways to play the game. Right. So, that being said, keep an open mind if you don't right. like board there, games. <laughs> there are people who love board games who will play Twilight Imperium like myself, who are just kind of crazy. Um but there are also lots of simple board games and even not even board games like card games. I think mm-hmm. of games like Sushi Go or um what are what's another game? All those kind of... like sabotage games. Yeah. Um yeah, like um The Resistance or mm-hmm. Secret Hitler is a big one right now. Um those type of games are kind of I don't like them as much as traditional euro style games but anyways so in general check out um euro style euro style games um specifically i'll just kind of come up with a couple games um istanbul which i played last night um it's a good um good game that's pretty simple and pretty fast um but also pretty good and, and has lots of different strategies that you can do um and then another one which we didn't play last night, but I played for the first time over Thanksgiving, is um, Castles of Burgundy, um, which is is Sounds similar. Silly. It's not. Um, it, it's in some very vague ways kind of like Settlers of Catan, but in other ways it's, it's not at all. Um, yeah, so those would be my two specific recommendations. Awesome, how about you? Uh, so the Oscar nominations came out on yeah. Tuesday. Um, so I I do not keep up on movies as much as I well I don't keep up with books so much. I'm like <laughs> like the most re- I guess I read a book from 2014. But anyway, uh, I've only watched like two of the movies that have been nominated for Oscars, so I'm gonna recommend those. Um, the Big Sick was nominated for Best uh, Original, Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really funny at times somehow because it's a, it's a book, or no, not a book. It's a movie about a, a woman in a medically induced coma. But there was one scene where I was just like dying laughing. And uh, you, like I'm laughing and then I feel really bad because everyone's going through just horrible times. Um, but it's great. Uh, what's what's the larger story as well, not just that? I mean, that's kind of it. Uh, well, it it's it kind of. A, I, mean, so I haven't seen it yet. A guy I and a girl to. meet, and he is from Pakistan. So there's some like tension with his family because they won't expect and like demand that he marries a Pakistani woman. Um, Emily, the female lead, is American. Um, so there's there's tension in their relationship and then she is sick and is in a coma um and he's trying to deal with it and meets her parents and they're trying to deal with it um and it's uh it's funny it's touching at times it's good mm-hmm. um and then the other the only other oscar nominated movie that i've seen which I, I was embarrassed by this. Um, uh, there was some sound. No, I haven't even seen Star Wars yet. So, <laughs> I haven't. 
Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I have seen, and that's nominated for an Oscar, but I'm not going to recommend that. What um, Oscar was it nominated for? It was like uh, visual effects or something. Probably, yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend Baby Driver, which is nominated for three three Oscars, uh, like sound editing, sound effects, and editing. I don't... Those, those are close if they're not right. Um, but it's a... Uh, I was I was trying to explain it to someone. Uh, I said it's it's very creative, but the plot is very cut and dry. It's a guy who's in crime, but he wants to get out of it. He's the like the getaway driver, um, and he meets this girl, and uh, that he wants to get out and be with her, but he can't. And then there's conflict there. So that's a very generic plot, but the way that it's done is really amazing. Uh there's a, a a review that shows up in the trailer that says this movie uses music like the rest of us use air. And that's like that's really true. Uh all the sound in the movie is diegetic, so that like what you hear, the characters hear. Um and everything is choreographed to the soundtrack. Um, so it's it's like basically a musical, but replacing the dance numbers, most of the dance numbers, with just crazy action-packed fight scenes slash car driving. So um, I liked it. It was good. Sounds so, good. Haven't you also haven't you also seen Dunkirk? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. I have seen Dunkirk. Uh, that's nominated for a bunch. Yeah. Though, uh, best actor snub. Am I right? Best actress snub. Yeesh. I don't know what you're referencing. I'm making a joke because you don't know the names of any of the characters in Dunkirk, and I don't think there are any female characters in Dunkirk. Now that I'm thinking um. about it. Does the guy who takes his boat have a wife? He might. I, if she, if he does, she makes no appearance. That's that's pretty shocking. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty confident yeah, there are shocking. no female characters in Dunkirk. So. Yeah, I don't think so. It is good though. It is good. All right. Well, we have reached that time. Yep. See you all uh, some some other time, or uh, yeah, you'll hear us. Yes, we will. See you all next week. Mm-hmm.